0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Hello, junkies! And once again, Happy New Year. We're already having a most interesting 2021. You guys, you guys! The Mount Fitzroy reviews are over 800 and closing in on 1,000! 1, 1, that is absolutely Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much if you have reviewed the book over at Audible. Have you heard it yet? You know, Mount Fitzroy, the sequel to Earthcore. If you haven't, go get it at Audible. You can find that link at scottsigler.com slash Fitzroy, F-I-T-Z-R-O-Y, or just go search for Scott Sigler Fitzroy at Audible. If you have listened to it, haven't rated and reviewed yet, please go do that. We love it when you rate and review. That really helps things out. Plus, I want to get, I want to get up to four figures, man. I want a thousand and counting. So get it. And as I have said before in this cast, if you don't have Audible and you want the full audiobook for free, go to scotsiglercom Audible and read up on how you can get it for free and pay nothing if you don't want to pay nothing. But this book, the one you're about to listen to and are listening to, The Gangster, we have submitted the full edited audiobook to Audible. We're waiting for approval as we speak. That one, when it comes out, it will be available at Audible, at iTunes, etc. I will let you know when it is available. Uh, you should go to scottsigler.com slash newsletter if you're not subscribed there. That is the best place to get your Scott Sigler news because it's getting harder and harder to let people know what's going on. For example, over at facebook.com slash scottsigler, which you should be signed up for if you're on Facebook. They make it very difficult to get information to people who have already opted in. If you're following me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Sigler. If you're not on when the tweet comes out, you know, it's hard to see what's going on. So the best places are, of course, this podcast, Ryan, form you what is up, and scottsigler.com slash newsletter. Absolutely the best place to make sure you get all the news and don't miss out anything for when new books come out. The Gangster is narrated by me, so you will get to hear this lovely, lovely voice. The hardcover is in process. It's in layout right now, so almost done. Finally, and of course, the ebook will also be available soon for the Gangster. I am also closing in on the final copy edit of the Stone Wolves, the last GFL novella, and kind of a, a Gemini twin with the Gangster. You'll, you're you're going to need to get both of those eventually to get the full story, which is great because that's well over three hundred thousand words, both of them combined. Uh, the the Stone Wolves will also go into audio production very soon. We'll be podcasting that after we finish podcasting The Gangster, but the audiobook will be available for purchase for The Stone Wolves. Far, far, far before that. Again, we will let you know when that is available. It will also be out in ebook. The Stone Wolves will not be in print. Oh, and did you hear the new intro music? Yes, due to copyright violations and strikes, we have had to forego the Lacuna Coil song, and are now going to be using the song... They're watching me by the band Super Weapon, which happens to be my band, so I have rights to those songs. If you have Spotify, go search for Super Weapon, one word, at Spotify, and we will get other links up in the near future. So there's your update on all things Siglerism. For now, let's get you caught up on the story of the gangster, and then we're going to get into episode number six. Play ball, junkies. Previously on. The Gangster. Hokor the hook chest coach of the Ionath Krakens, was killed in an assassination attempt on Krakens quarterback Quentin Barnes. Hokor was the reason Barnes was signed to Ionath. Now Quentin and his teammates are trying to come to grips with the coach's passing. They are at the city of Harlan, Hokor's birthplace, for the funeral ceremony, as the football world prepares to say goodbye to a legend. Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com store.
0: Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, 6-1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well... That's why they're introducing an all new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new bumble now.
1: Ghosts. The pistol kicks. Sandoval's head snaps back. He falls face first, right cheek on the locker room tile, eyes wide open, staring. Blood oozes from a dark spot in the middle of his forehead. You ever killed anyone before, Barnes? Sandoval is dead. How can a dead man speak? Have you, Barnes? You know what that feels like? A tingle in Quentin's left hand and forearm. But that doesn't make sense. He used his right hand to shoot Sandoval. The pain, electric, sizzling, morphing into blinding agony. It hurts. Hurts so bad. Quentin blinked awake, sat up in bed. Still groggy, he pulled his left hand to his chest. The hand tingled with the pain of a thousand stabbing needles, as if it were strapped on the Combine's metal X, where the Kretorakians had tested him for mods by zapping him with electric shocks. Where was he? No light save for two sets of red numbers and letters glowing on the wall. The first set showed the time in Ionath City. The second in Harlan. Harlan. He was in a stateroom, on the Hypatia, in his own bed. No guns, no killers, no talking corpses. He flexed his hand, trying to relieve the sizzling sensation. Next to him, something moved. He lurched away, sliding across the sheets. In the clock's red glow, he saw Becca open her eyes. "'Hey,' she said. He stared at her, memories flooding back. Oh, no. What had he done?' Hey, he said. She pushed her heavy black hair away from her face. Is it your hand or your forearm? His left hand still tingled with that horrid electric agony. Both, I guess, he said. Becca slid closer to him. Let me help. She took his hand, the blankets falling away from her. Quentin quickly looked off into the darkness. Her strong fingers worked his palm, the flesh between his knuckles. The pain ebbed slightly. That's, that's great, he said. Other than the hand and arm pain, how is the future Mr. Rebecca Montaigne this morning? A purr voice that had never been there before, like butter sprinkled with sugar. I'm, uh, I'm good. We, I mean, you and I. She massaged his forearm. Yeah, we did, don't you know? Becca smiled. You okay with that? Even in the faint red light, she looked so beautiful. He never wanted to lie to that face. To be honest, I'm not sure how I feel about it. She laughed. You might not be religious, but you're certainly devout in your own way. The first time can be kind of overwhelming. No judgment from her. Half the galaxy thought he'd slept with Somalia Midori. He had not. Something that John and you still didn't believe. Quentin had liked Somalia, and she had wanted to sleep with him, but he hadn't been ready. Or, more likely, because Somalia hadn't been the right one. Becca was. As she rubbed his hand, the ghostly tingling finally vanished. She gave a last squeeze. How's that? Better. He flexed his fingers, made a fist. Does it hurt like that every time you wake up? He fought back an instant lie. Footballers were supposed to be tough, were supposed to ignore pain. It was an unspoken code. But Becca was more than just a teammate. Yeah, he said. Not usually as bad as it did this time, but yeah. When else does it hurt? It's fine, mostly. It really only hurts if I pick something up the wrong way. Her lips pressed into a thin line. Or if you throw a football? Quentin didn't answer. Maybe he'd throw a ball after the solidity ceremony, and maybe, this time, it wouldn't hurt. But he knew better. His arm and hand looked normal. They weren't. She sat shoulder to shoulder with him. Okay, you've had a minute to think. Still feel guilty about last night? An awkward attempt to change the subject, but he was glad for it. Yeah, I do. She kissed his shoulder. With her fingertip, she lightly traced the word tattooed across Quentin's right pec, shuck, and the one on his left. You. Sometimes the ink made him feel ridiculous, a leftover from his days with the McCovey Raiders. He'd meant it as a persistent message to his teammates who looked down on him for being an orphan. Other times the tattoo served as a reminder of not only how far he'd come but of how much he'd changed as a person. It's Understandable, if you feel guilty, don't you know, Becca said. You waited a long time. I mean, hell, you didn't even hook up with Somalia shucking Midori, who might be the hottest human in existence. Unlike John and Jew, Becca took Quentin at his word. Had Becca been with John? Quentin didn't know. The two had dated, had even been engaged, technically, although that was more about John proposing in such a grand way that Becca hadn't felt comfortable turning him down had they slept together? Quentin decided he didn't care. He was with her now, and she was with him. She would always be with him. Their futures were intertwined. Their pasts no longer mattered. You were pretty upset yesterday about Coach, Becca said. I know that won't go away, but do you feel any better? Coach was gone, as was Kopor and the others. Things were still messed up, so damn messed up, but all of that seemed less important. Only a touch, maybe, but it helped. I do, he said. It's weird, but I do. Good. Then do you still feel guilty about us? There had been so much death. Last night with Becca, that was about life. When he'd been hers, body and soul, he hadn't thought about anything but her. In truth, He hadn't thought at all. In that moment, he just was. A moment as pure as the light of a blazing star, as vast as the wonder of the ever-expanding universe. In his heart, he knew he'd done nothing wrong, yet his upbringing refused to leave him be. The lingering shame made no sense. He wasn't a part of the purest church. Never had been. So why was he haunted by the tenets of something he'd never believed in? Yes, he said. A little. She kissed his cheek. Then we'll just keep at it until that pesky guilt goes away. As they say, practice makes perfect. He felt his face flush. The dream that had woken him flashed through his thoughts, pushing out everything else. Sandoval's last words You ever killed anyone before, Barnes? You know what that feels like? Quentin now did. He'd killed the man who had killed Hokor. Coach. That flailing sense of loss welled up anew, ambushed him. He choked back a sudden sob. Hey, it's okay, Becca said. Just let it out, babe. Grief is normal. It's healthy. Maybe for other people, but not for him. It was time to box up his sadness, his pain, and set those emotions aside. The attack, the violence, the shooting, the loss of Hocor, those things shadowed Quentin But he would defeat them, just like he defeated every other foe in his life. I'll be all right. She kissed his shoulder. Trust your girl on this one. Those feelings will come out sooner or later. All you're doing is kicking them down the road. When you can't bottle it up anymore, I'll be here for you. So will John and Jew and Janine, Ma and all your teammates. Becca kissed his lips. We got you. He moved to kiss her back, flinched. As a stab of fire shot from his hip down his leg. Oh, jeez, she said, as if she'd been the one to feel the pain. Your arm again? He shook his head. My hip. When did you hurt your hip? A good question. Sometime during last season? Maybe on a sack, a scramble, a cheap shot after the whistle. In his five seasons with the Krakens, he'd taken hundreds of big hits, collisions so punishing they would have killed a normal size human yet he couldn't recall most of those impacts. I don't remember when I heard it. She pushed away from him, told the room to turn on the lights. He could see all of her. This time, he didn't look away. You know you can tell me anything, Becca said. I don't ask you about much, because you'll come to me if you want to. But now, Quentin, I'm asking, where else do you hurt? More like, where didn't he hurt? He was used to pushing past pain, banishing it to a different part of his brain where it could be ignored. If you wanted to win, you had to accept pain. You had to play through it. Talking about his various boo-boos wouldn't make them better, so why talk about them at all? But that look in her eyes. Becca wanted to know more about him. Always more. Sometimes my arm hurts where it got sewn up with a jersey stitcher. My left knee... Always a little stiff in the morning. I get headaches. Sometimes my middle back hurts and nothing will fix it. Not even meds. He held up his right hand, showing the missing pinky finger. Sometimes this hurts, even though it isn't even there. Sympathy in Becca's eyes. She understood. She always did. I broke my femur five seasons ago on a blindside sack, she said. Sometimes it aches. My neck hasn't been the same since 82 when I ran for a touchdown against Chicago and Brian Kane blasted me after the whistle. Knocked me out clean. Every morning for the past four years, the pain in my neck reminds me of that hit. She shrugged. Those injuries and plenty more, especially since I moved to fullback. Quentin had taken big hits, sure, but as a fast quarterback with a solid offensive line and an all-pro tailback to carry the ball, There were many games where he basically went untouched. Becca, though, was a fullback. She endured contact on almost every play. She went head-to-head against psycho linebackers and massive defensive tackles, against defensive ends that wanted to kill Quentin, against safeties and cornerbacks that blitzed in at top speed. On running plays, Quentin stood and watched as Becca plowed straight ahead, smashing big bodies aside to clear a hole for Jew. As if that wasn't enough, five or six times a game, she'd carry the ball. Defenders would tee off on her, try to hit her hard enough to knock the ball loose, or to send her to the sidelines, for good. You never told me about your neck pain, Quentin said. Docs can't fix it? She shrugged again. They said it would never fully go away. They said mods might help some, but I can't try that yet. Because she couldn't get mods until she stopped playing football. We get the fame and the glory and the money, Becca said. The price of all of that is pain, pain for the rest of our lives. Our bodies didn't evolve to endure the punishment we take season after season. It's the life we have chosen. That phrase, the life we have chosen, spoken with assured finality, as if it was the last words of any discussion about the risks of football. Quentin had heard many players say it. He'd said it himself more times than he could count. He'd always thought it addressed the on-field risks that came with each and every snap of the ball. Now, though, hearing Becca talk, he finally understood there was more to it. The life he had chosen would be with him all his days, even long after he retired. But hey, Becca said, with that Galaxy Bowl win, maybe I can get some endorsement money. I might make enough to have some League of Planets modders fix me up, huh? Another thing Quentin often forgot. Even though he and Becca were teammates, both starters, both all pros, both champions, he made ten times what she did. Money is something you won't have to worry about, he said. Not ever again. She thought on that for a moment. I don't need your money, Q. If you want to keep separate finances when we're married, that's fine with me. What's mine is ours. She smiled. I like the way you said that. And what's mine is ours, too. Looks like we won't be hurting financially. We're lucky like that, she said. Tier 1 money is real money. I feel horrible for some of my Tier 3 teammates, and for the players who only make it a season or two in the upper tiers. They take the same damage we do, but if they can't transition to good jobs after football, then they can't afford proper long-term care. Quentin had never considered that. He hadn't even really thought about money in, what, two seasons? Since his agent, Danny Lundy, negotiated his last contract with the Krakens, Quentin had more money than he'd ever dreamed of. He could afford lifelong health care. The best of the best. But what about the thousands of players who could not? The GFL has tons of cash, he said. Can't players in need get help from the league? Becca laughed. If Quentin heard a laugh like that from anyone else, he would have felt insulted, mocked. But from her, it was genuine delight at what she called his small-town innocence. As if there was anything innocent about how he'd grown up. The league could take care of every player at every level, don't you know, Becca said. It doesn't. Players get used up and tossed aside. That's the way it is. Everyone knows the deal. That seemed idiotic. Greed was one thing. But to hoard money while the people who actually earned it for you suffered? Frost talked to me during my exam with Doc Onagati, Quentin said. He told us the broadcast rights alone for the upcoming season will be triple what they were a few years ago. Becca blinked. Triple? That's what he said. She let out a long, low whistle. Yeah, the league has money to burn all right. Of course— The GFL is just a pass-through corporation. Profits go straight into the owners' accounts. Owners who are wealthy beyond measure. Greedock, Anna Valani, Gloria Ogawa, J.T. Manis, all among the richest sentients in the galaxy. Players should get lifelong health care, Quentin said. Sentients like Greedock can afford that. Nothing we grunts can do to change it. Quentin thought of his old teammates on the Raiders. Tier 3 players in a backwater system that didn't have the same medical technology readily available to the League of Planets or the Planetary Union. Not that he cared about his former teammates, they had never really cared about him, but if they suffered injuries like his or Becca's, were there resources available to treat them? And if so, could they afford such care? Those players couldn't just punch over to Earth and visit Randall Hospital. The Clinic. Becca's Injury. Hey, Quentin said, Randall Hospital is supposed to be the best. We could have them check out your neck. Becca thought for a moment, nodded. Sure, why not? Maybe there's been some advancements or something. She slid off the bed. He watched her walk, watched the play of her shoulder muscles, watched the powerful thighs that drove her up and down the football field. She was an elite athlete, a pure physical force. She was his Valkyrie. Becca glanced at the red text on the wall. All right, my love, she said, her face solemn. We need to get dressed for Hokor's ceremony. Frost and Wycor are going to shuttle us down to OS 3. Quentin didn't want to go. He wanted to stay here, with her, but she was right. It was time to pay respects to the memory of Hokor, the Hookchest. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Copyright 2020 Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.
2: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice